Convention Friends. The episode you're about to hear was created prior to the enactment of the Well-Ordered Society Act. It is maintained here as a record, an archive, and a legacy of the wandering aimlessness that preceded our current predicament. It represents one step of many on the evolutionary journey from inherited defaults to holy, blessed, righteous surrender in the service of play. Enjoy. Thank you for being here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was unformed and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. This isn't going to be a particularly religious podcast. However, I start here because it's one of the most popular origin stories on our planet. As of the time of this recording, there are, so let's just call it 4 billion. As of this recording, there are roughly 4 billion people on this planet who believe in this origin story. It is a shared origin story of the planet, believed by Christians and Muslims and Jews. It tells the story of the monotheistic God of Abraham creating the world. And the first thing he did was he said, let there be light. And there was light. At the end of it all, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. This podcast is really intended to be as the description will tell you, a gratitude-laden exploration of our creativity, our curiosity, and our sense of community. What does all that mean, anyway? I start with this origin story, or as some might call it a creation story, because I want to explore those parts of us which make us creative, which make us curious. And, And I think between those things, enable us to actually build communities with one another. I don't think that it's odd or a coincidence that in this story, God created the universe and started the entire story with that scene. The story began with the scene of God creating the world. God himself created something. And at the end of his creation, he looked at it and he beheld that it was good. There's something about that that I think ultimately connects us to God, if you believe in God. And I think we, being made in God's image, if you believe that particular story of our origin, that we share that desire to create. And when we create, we look back at what we've created and we say, wow, that was, that was awesome. I think there's some fundamental force within us, some fundamental desire that is that desire to create. And I think it's that fundamental desire and that fundamental drive which makes us curious. I think our curiosity is in large part where we get community from. We're sort of strange as a species. Um, There are other community-oriented species, bees, ants, come to mind. You could argue that there are similar 
arrangements in other primate species. I'm not a biologist, so I'm not going to try to enumerate them. Um, and maybe what I'm talking about is not strange at all. Um, but certainly we have managed in our collaborative nature and the part of us that brings us together to create tribes and to create communities and to create social cohesion. That part is apparently very powerful, powerful enough for us to reach a point where with that collaborative ability, we actually have the ability to destroy the entire planet, not just ourselves, you know, not just our own individual suicide and not just our species. By the way, we can destroy the whole damn thing. I think that's pretty cool. Cool and terrifying and, and frightening. Um, I don't think that our capacity to destroy ourselves is necessarily an indication of any sort of inherent flaw that we have. Nor do I believe that our capacity to destroy ourselves means that there's something to be afraid of. I actually think that the greater the power we have to harm ourselves, the greater we are able to come together to harm ourselves. It actually is, 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 is an indication of the potential to do the same thing for good. So here we are now in this podcast where the goal really is to focus on that good side of it. Um, that good side of things, that positive side, that energy, that light. Which brings me to the second reason I brought up this story. I like this story because not only was it bookended by God's creation and God's beholding of his creation and calling it good, but the first thing he did was to create light. There's something about light. I'm not going to attempt, not now anyway, to define what light is. I'm not going to attempt to define what this light meant in this particular story. It's only one origin story of many. What I will remark upon is that I think within us all our creative spark that drive that I mentioned earlier is our inner light that we can use to do good in the world. Now we can do evil with it as well. Um, I think the, the force that it represents and I do see it as an internal force is what drives us in part. There are other forces within us that drive us, but it's a big one. Um, I want to focus on the light aspect of it, how we can leverage that, how we can yield it, how we do leverage that for good. And that really is the podcast. That's why it's here. That's why I decided to do it. I wanted to create uh, a gratitude laden. And I like that. That's like the perfect description. I spent a lot of time not making a podcast before deciding to make this one. I also spent a lot of time when I thought, hey, maybe I should do one, thinking about what would it be about, and I came up with different themes and different whatevers, and ultimately, I was like, why do any of that when I can just ramble on? I like to ramble on quite a bit in my own head, actually, so what I want to try as an experiment with this podcast is taking the ramblings of my head and putting it out there in auditory form. I briefly considered writing it down, but that's much more tedious than just speaking into a microphone, so... This is somehow more exciting for me, probably because I like hearing the sound of my own voice. Um, I didn't used to like hearing the sound of my recorded voice. Um, now, for whatever reason, I kind of do. So here we are. I also like writing, but and I might still do some of that, but that's a lot harder for me because it takes more energy to do. So I want to 
take this podcast. And ultimately, I want to use it as an opportunity to say thank you, um, to express gratitude both to the people I will bring up for the ideas that they brought into the world. Because one of the things I want to do with this is talk about ideas that I have been exploring. I read a lot. By read, I mean I listen to books. It's been actually quite a while since I've read a physical book or wet read read words. Well, that's not true, actually. I do read a fair bit of technical stuff and technical books. The last book I read was called uh well, the title's not important, but <laughs> it was a technical it was a book about programming a particular framework. So I do read a bit of that. And then I listen to um I guess more abstract stuff. Not abstract, that's not the right word for it. More philosophical, more social oriented stuff. As I read a lot of that, and I also do a lot of technical stuff, you know, I see these connections in my head and I'm like drawing these dots, but I, I'm not often capable of articulating the connection there. So I figure, well, maybe if I force myself to ramble about my ideas and the things that I, I'm observing, because they're not my ideas really, it's more like I, uh, there's this beautiful feast that's been prepared. And this feast is all the knowledge of every single person that's ever put knowledge out there. And I'm fortunate enough to live in a time when I can pull out this little square out of my pocket and I can look up pretty much any information that is out there. And I'll actually share an example. So recently, um, I like to listen to podcasts. That's a part of why I wanted to create a podcast because I like listening to them. And increasingly, as I practice gratitude, I think about how Gratitude is not just receiving and feeling something, but for me, at least it is also giving back. So there's tons of great podcasts I like to listen to. Um, and I'm always a little sad when I run out of new episodes for my favorite podcasts of a certain vibe that I want to keep listening, listening to. Now, obviously I'm not going to, well, I'm not necessarily going to listen to my own podcast because it's mine and I'm here when I'm recording it. So that would just be weird. But if I can put that out there, maybe I can fill that, that spot that I feel when I've listened to all the episodes that I have in my podcast queue. And at that point, I'm like, do I go find a new podcast? That's usually what happens. I have all the podcasts I listen to on a regular basis. I have like podcasts I'm really committed to. And then when I run out of episodes for those podcasts, I then go to, new podcasts or podcasts I listen to, but I'm not like committed, committed to. Um, and then I'll look for episodes that might be interesting. And, and that's why I'm not committed, committed because they're not all interesting to me. Um, usually it's like a couple are really good or I got drawn in because of one episode someone recommended to me. And then I'm, I'm, I find a few others I like. And then once I've listened to all of the ones I like, I kind of just am not there for the rest of it. So I figure why not throw out my own and into the mix and, and, um, See what see see if I can't fill that gap for somebody. Express my gratitude by giving something back. Um back to the story because that was a long tangent. So I was listening to the Making Sense podcast by Sam Harris, and he recently did an episode. And by recently, anytime I use the word recently, recently could be anything between a minute ago to a year ago. That's about recent when I say recently, it could be anything in that range. I might say if it's anything beyond a year ago, then I'll say last year. But recently, I was listening to the Making Sense podcast, and 
Sam Harris did a wonderful episode with Mark Andreessen. They talk about a lot of really interesting ideas. Um, some of the ideas that Sam Harris discusses on his podcast are ideas I chew on. Uh, and some of the ideas that someone like Mark Andreessen talks about and writes about are also ideas I chew on. Um, the great thing about podcasts, by the way, and audiobooks is a, they, they're in the same format. So one of the things that's fascinating to me is as I've started to consume all this different content, audio content, it's cool. It's audio content and I'm a musician, you know, I do DJ stuff so I can listen to music. I can listen to podcasts. I can listen to audiobooks. and there's like this cool cycle between the three of them that I can use one to find great content to discover and consume in the other. And, and it makes this nice positive feedback loop. They talked about doing big things and I'm not going to rehash the episode because I really do think you should go listen to it. Um, there aren't many podcasts I will donate to and Sam Harris's podcast is one that I have donated to. So go listen to it. Go listen to that episode. I think it's episode 281. I think it's two, it's either 281 or 291. Maybe I'll, uh, look it up and edit this and, and say what it actually is in the middle. Um, they talk about doing big things. And one of the things they mention is that in, in a lot of ways, the city of Los Angeles is, you know, a very, was a very deliberate thing that was done by a group of people. Um, and so, uh, Mark brings up this book called thinking big. So I'm like, cool. I like a good book recommendation. And anytime someone whose ideas I like to chew on mentions a book in a podcast uh, or in an audio book, if it's a book of their own, I will then go, so I'll pause. I'll go look up. Where can I find this book? Cause I want to make a note because if I don't make a note there, I'm going to forget. So I go to audible. I look for that book. It's not there. I go to Amazon. It's not there. Why am I only looking on Amazon's platforms for this? Because usually they're there. And they're, it's usually qu the quickest way to get to some of these things. Then if it's not there, I'm like, all right. Maybe there's, and if something's not on Amazon, I'm usually like, I kind of hit this point of like, shit. Maybe it's gone forever. That's not always the case, but it's like a lot harder to find at this point if it's not on Amazon. And so then the options are go to a used bookstore and look for it there or, or really realistically call used bookstores and ask if they have it because they don't always have online inventory you can search. Um, but somehow, sometimes they will have books that Amazon doesn't. Which honestly, like Amazon could solve that and it would make my life a little bit easier. Um, also, it would be really cool. This is another, this is a tangent to the tangent. It would also be really, really cool if Audible had a program where if there wasn't a book on Audible, like you search for something and your book wasn't found, right? Like have that as something that pops up in the interface. I can click not, not found the books, not here. And then Audible, because it's an Amazon platform, right? I'm pretty sure Audible is owned by Amazon. Then Audible says, all right, no audiobook. Here's the, the physical, here's how you can get the physical book or the, the digital, the ebook, which how is that not already a thing, Audible? Um, and then from there, if there's no physical book that you can find, or you do get it, let's say you can, right, um, somehow, then there should be an option where it's like, hey, how would you like to read this book for Audible so that we can have it as an audiobook so that people can listen to it? Um, I certainly would do that. Um, now, the problem, the question, the challenge is, well, how do you do that? If people may not have equipment, they may be, you know, whatever. You may not trust them with equipment. 
Um, how are they going to, you know, not everybody can just record it. Arguably, statistically, I don't know. People probably have phones and most phones are pretty good these days, audio wise. So you could use something like Riverside FM, which I'm using to record this podcast and have them download the app and you could have them record it and you got to submit it to Audible and Audible could probably pay people to do just like the slightest touching up and editing. And it's not going to be the greatest. So maybe have a separate category of like, this is a book we would totally love to have read by professionals. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, a professional hasn't read it yet. So Joe Blow read it because Joe Blow wanted to hear it. He bought the physical version. He read it. He submitted to us. And here's his version. And it's probably not going to sound as good because he wasn't in a professional studio. But like, let's all give thanks to Joe Blow for recording this. Let's all be grateful to Joe Blow for having spent this time recording this for us. And who knows? I I imagine there's probably some non-zero number of Joe Blows out there that are willing to do such a thing. I certainly would. I think I know other people who would as well. And like, how is that just not, it should be like an easy thing, you know, like a, again, I'm searching the interface. Oh, you didn't find what you were looking for. And then there's like this workflow that gets kicked off that ends up with me recording something for audible. Now, maybe not everybody does that, but some would, let's say it's 1% of all the people that listen to audible. What does 1% of all of Audible's listener base adding new content to audible that's not on audible do for the collection? I don't know. I think it probably has it growing pretty good. I could be wrong. And I know the challenge is probably rights and copyright and all that. So I'm not saying it's this going to be this easy thing, but like if I were audible and Amazon, like isn't Amazon's whole fucking purpose to be obsessed with customers and do the, these hard things. I, I don't know. seems like an opportunity for, for something like audible anyway. So then I go look at used bookstores and as a reminder, we're talking about the search for this book, thinking big, by Robert Gottlieb, by the way. That's the author. Couldn't find it in a used bookstore. So then I go look for libraries because those things are still a thing. And I used to go to the library a lot as a kid because I am a, uh, I was born in the early 90s. So like many early 90s kids, we came of age right around the time that the internet was starting to be a thing but wasn't a thing, really. It wasn't really a thing. Like pre-Google, like early dot like AOL disk era is when I remember the internet windows 90. I remember my, the first computer my mom had cause my, my dad had computers, but we, we weren't allowed to use them. And I'm pretty sure they were just like, I don't know. He's a programmer. So he used some crazy shit that I don't remember him using, but I knew he had one, but we couldn't use his. Then we got like a family computer and that was windows 95. I do remember that. Um, and I remember going around at some point and collecting AOL disks because you could get on the internet for free. And I also remember there wasn't much you could do on the internet. And I'm not even really sure if AOL was the internet. <laughs> I don't know this. I, I like, I'm piecing this together from what childhood me remembers. Um, we had these disks. I'd go on there, whatever. The internet was there and it was fun. It was great. But anyway, because I grew up in that time where you still had to like, you had to write a paper for school. You had to go to the library and you had to look it up and you had to know the Dewey decimal system. And you had to like get all your books, check them all out and then write your paper up by hand. Um, unless you did have a computer. And actually, even if you did, I think because most people didn't, we weren't allowed to. I remember a point where all the papers had to be handwritten. So there was that, that was the flow. I remember this as a kid. Um, so I'm, I check libraries. There is a library nearby that has it. Um, it's a university library and I'm not going to name this university because I think they're ridiculous. And the reason they're ridiculous is because you have to pay money to check books out. If you are not a student at the university, you have to pay them a lot of money 
to check books out. And I get that. I understand it. You want to let random people in to check books out and take them home. You want to have something that's going to protect against them doing damaging the books or stealing the books. I get it. But it's a lot of money. It's like it's $150 a year. So I was like, all right, I'm probably not going to do this a ton of times. In fact, I'm like, I'm 100% certain I'm not going to do it a ton of times. So I'm not going to pay $150 for this book, which probably doesn't cost $150. I actually did the research because I, I thought, how fun would it be? What what would it cost me to go in there? Because you can, the public can go into the library. You just can't take the books out unless you're a student or you have this this expensive membership. I'm like, okay, what would it cost me to, in terms of fines, penalties, whatever, to steal the book? And it's like slightly less than $150. So to me, that's like just really poor incentive design because if I weren't me and I was, that's not true. I, I actually probably would do it. I'm just lazy. Um, but like you're creating a hole where an opportunist like myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna empathize with the thief here. We're an opportunist. If given the opportunity, like if I, if this library weren't 45 minutes away from me, which is really the only reason I'm not gonna do it, I'm not gonna go 45 minutes away to steal a book from a library. Um, but if uh, if I were that kind of person, I would. Um, or if, but if I would happen to like be near there and had nothing to do, then maybe I would, you know. And then like, okay, I, I might get fined by the library itself, which would be like, it was less than $150, right? Significantly less. And then in my state, it's a misdemeanor to do that. And it's like, I don't know, what's the fine for a misdemeanor? Uh, knowing the court system, you could probably even get like that waived or it'd be like a hundred bucks, right? So like hundred bucks plus less than 50 bucks, which is just a fine for a lost book. So anyway, long story short, I could have just stolen the book. And what's shitty about that is like, I asked if I could, I did call and ask if I could just buy it. Cause I don't want to buy, I don't want to pay for this membership that I'm not, I'm going to use one time to check out one book. I'd rather just buy the book and then I'd have the book. And then I would record myself reading the book. And then I don't know, I'd figure out how to get that on audible anyway. So that didn't work out. And then as a part of this process, by the way, I discovered this website called WorldCat. I think it's worldcat.org. Yeah, it's WorldCat. So I never knew about this, this WorldCat site. Let's see. What does it say? Worldcat.org is a great resource for locating unique, trustworthy materials that you often can't find anywhere except in a library. This is fucking perfect. See this? This is the kind of thing. Somebody was like, I'm going to make this. OCLC. Isn't that like a um, protocol for... Uh, protocol is maybe not the right word. Well, maybe it is a protocol. Maybe protocol is the right word. It's some kind of librarian thing. OCLC. I know that. Anyway, Worldcat lets you search libraries which is how I knew the book was in that other library. I'm like, okay, well, that's lame because I'm not going to go to that library. And then like every other library, that's the closest library to me that had it. And then there was another one that was like kind of close, but it was like, it, it mentioned it was in their like offsite storage facility, which I'm like, if it's not even out in the library, I should be able to buy it. That should just be an option. So there's a link to archive.org. And I did not know this until I clicked on this and discovered this looking for this particular book, thinking big, the story the Los Angeles Times, its publishers, and their influence on Southern California. So on the Internet Archive, if you go to it, the link from this library, which, by the way, that library, because they're good, I'll name them. Well, no, I won't name them, actually, because if I name them, you might be able to figure out where I am, and you might also might be able to figure out the library that I didn't want to name, so I'm not going to name them. I don't want to give you the tools to figure it out. It's not hard. It's easy to dox. I'm not like a hidden person. You can dox me, and if you are like a weird stalker, you could figure it out. But I don't want to give you the tools and figure it out. You got to earn it. So I go to this archive, Internet Archive, archive.org, and like lo and behold, the book is there. And it's just like, it's like someone scanned it. 
And I'm like, how? This is awesome. I've, I never knew this. Now, I do have one gripe about archive.org. In order to read the book, you have to quote unquote borrow it. And you can only, which is there's this big blue button at the top that says borrow for one hour. And then I hit the big blue button that says borrow for one hour and I can see the pages. Otherwise, the, like the pages are not visible. Now, I'm a hacker. So I don't know how like good that protection is. There's probably some way I could like, you know, see them without that. But needless to say, you do that and look, I can read the scan pages. So I can read this book the old fashioned way or the modern old fashioned way, which is kind of cool. Actually, I kind of like this blend. The pages even turn. They got like a cool page turn animation. So looks here. I can read it now. Um, and this was going back to the earlier point that I was trying to make was it's kind of cool that someone creatively decided to scan this book. I don't know how hard that was or how easy that was. They probably had to like take the binding off and, and I don't know, run it through a scanner. And this looks like photos actually of the pages. So maybe someone sat with a picture, like a camera and took pictures of each of these because they're actually very high quality photos. I want this podcast to be an exploration of and celebration of, again, we're here to, we're, we're, we're here to be gratitude laden. We're not just observers off to the side. I really do want this to be sort of a, an expression of gratitude, um, sort of like a, an ongoing and auditory. This is an auditory, like continuous representation of a thank you, you know? So thank you, Akrav.org. And thank you to whoever it is. Does it say, let me see, let me scroll down. I scrolled down to see if it mentions how it got in here and it doesn't. It tells me when. And it tells me associated names. Does that mean that's how it got? Oh, wait, hold on. There was a donor. Ooh, the San Friends of the San Francisco Public Library donated this. That's lit. Okay, well, thank you, Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. Thank you, archive.org. And thank you to Robert Gottlieb and Irene Olt for writing this book. I haven't finished reading it. I read the first two chapters so far. This whole like borrow for an hour thing kind of bums me out because I have to click the button every time. And it's not fast, but it's it's not slow, but it's not fast. It's, you know, it's just good enough. Someone should read this book. Maybe I will read it. I thought about that. And I'm like, if I'm going to do this anyway, I'm going to read it this way. Maybe I save someone else the trouble of having to come to archive.org and click this borrow button every hour <laughs> while they read this book. And I'll just read it. Um, and I still might. I haven't decided not to. But between finding it and not having finished it, I decided I wanted to start a podcast or I, I decided I wanted to execute on starting a podcast. I decided a long time ago I wanted to start a podcast. I just never did it. So where, where does that leave us? Um, I think it's really cool that humans are able to like do stuff like this. You know, we're tool builders. We are, we work together, right? These friends of the San Francisco public library people, whoever they were, whoever the person was, because somewhere where there was a person behind it or group of people behind donating this book, which for whatever reason I can't find every anywhere else really other than like other libraries, which has me wondering like, okay, so the publisher Putnam, are they like out of business? This is cool. That's the other cool thing. I can like look stuff up on the fly. All of human knowledge, right? Is accessible to me at my fingertips and I can like chew on these ideas. And what's cool is as I chew on them, I learn stuff um, about the world and about myself because I think when you hear the ideas of someone else and you chew on them, chewing is different than hearing and reacting. Although chewing is a reaction. So again, I don't want to be, I want to do my best not to say anything that is uh, judgmental or condemns anyone. Because I, I think that, 
I do think there is a place for condemnation, but I want to hold it in high regard, um, which means you use it sparingly and only when it's very, very, very well-deserved. Um, like, for instance, I would condemn the situation, not a person or an institution, but I would condemn the situation where the best incentive and therefore the optimal strategy would be to steal a book from a library because all of the punishments for that are less than the membership cost for people who are not students of the university that where the library lives. And that's just bad mechanism design. Um, and I condemn bad mechanism design, but we as humans are not great at mechanism design, which is why those holes exist. And, um, I think that we are, you know, a lot of our mechanisms, um, mechanism design is great. You should Google it. A lot of the mechanisms we've quote unquote designed are just like mechanisms that have emerged because we're just out here doing our thing, you know, and then stuff happens and then suddenly there's incentives and we didn't really think about how the incentives would work out. And, and actually, if, if anything, the people who set up the mechanisms that created this emergent bad mechanism probably thought the most about it. That's, that's what's great when you read stuff and you chew on ideas is you start to realize that honestly, the people who are often the reason why a bad situation exists or a less than ideal situation exists are probably the people that cared the most and thought the most about it. And that's like, I don't know, that's kind of scary, <laughs> you know, when you think about it. Um, but what's cool is that you like overcome that with community and, and collaboration and social connection. And so I have this like thing in my head where I'm like, all right, you've got creativity of this as this fundamental force. And I'm going to just go ahead and say that the evidence of it is that for whatever reason in this origin story that half the planet believes in, because there's roughly 8 billion people on the planet and there's roughly 4 billion, you know, Christians, Muslims, and Jews. And at least those three religions, I think there are others as well that acknowledge the, the Genesis origin story. But at least those three, you know, they see that as as anywhere from like the literal word of God to like a very valid story to believe in and take lessons from. So I'm on like the valid story to take lessons from side of it because that's how I view a book like that. Um, but, you know, that for whatever reason, the opening salvo of that book is creativity. God himself created something. God's like, yo, I don't know how I feel about this unformed void you know here i am a spirit hovering over the face of the waters whatever that means and i don't like this so i'm gonna be like yo let there be light and then there was light and i'm like you know there's something like inherently when i think of any creative endeavor that people do that i appreciate i think that's all it is it's someone who woke up and looked out at the world and said damn this is formless and void from my perspective, from what I have to offer, from what I have to add, this is formless and void. And they're just like, let there be, insert thing here, insert whatever creative thing they're going to do. And after they do it, they're like, shit, that was good. Um, and, you know, I think from that, we all are able to connect with one another. We're able to feel and sense that in one another. I think there are a lot of reasons why people maybe don't feel that way. Um, and I think all of those reasons why we maybe don't feel that way are part of why we feel like it's things are bad. Um, and part of why things are bad, I think is because that energy gets co-opted by people who decide to use their energy to their exclusive benefit. Um, because they see themselves as playing the zero sum game, uh, probably because they live in a world of 
not great mechanism. Um, I think we can undo that a bit, the sentiment, the negative sentiment, by taking that fundamental energy we have inside of us, our fundamental light, as I'll call it probably from time to time on this podcast, and honestly, just observing shit in the world that we're chewing on, that we're thinking about, and being grateful for it. And just being like, you know, thank, thank you, thank you, archive.org. You know, thank you, friends of the San Francisco Library. Thank you to whoever it is that looks upon the formless void and says, let there be something there isn't. I like that. I think that's uh, the part of us. If you, to, if you were to adopt this paradigm that the, that's in this, this Bible, if you were to adopt that as your paradigm, that is what connects us to God. Right. And I think you could find analogs to it in other religions that are not based on the, the, the biblical story. Um, so there's something about, you know, the way that our collective set of origin stories tugs at what I think is just a fundamental force within us. Now, what is that? Why is that? Who knows? Who cares? We're just here. Um, and that sort of leads me to, I guess, the last point, because I've been rambling for a bit now. And also, holy shit. So this is like my practice run for this. I decided, um, I made the decision this morning that I was going to do a podcast for real. And I decided as well that it was going to be a, a topical. So there's no specific topic except whatever we do has got to be dripping with gratitude. Um, because that is what I'm trying to practice. And I feel like a good way to practice it is to publicly put myself out there as trying to do it so that people can hold me accountable for it. Um, and then just here is something I found myself saying a lot. So people ask you, how are you? You know, and you get shitty pithy responses. Like I'm living the dream. I'm good. I'm cool. I'm doing all right. How about you? Um, so I found myself saying I'm just here a lot, which is true. I'm trying to be in the state of like, I'm just here. Um, in the, the present moment now in the present time, in the present place, just being me, that's what I'm trying to do. And whatever that means, I don't know fully what that means. Maybe this podcast is a part of figuring that out. Um, but I'm just here. Um, and my goal was to basically, uh, be just here with all of you. So if you were to go to the Twitter for this podcast, which is at just here club, which is the only social media platform that this podcast will use. And there's a reason for that. That I'll explain probably on another episode. It's not because I think there's anything especially good about Twitter, by the way. So please don't take that conclusion away from it. Um, you'll see me put out there on the Twitter and maybe on the website, you know, us here now. Um, us period, uh, period. No, no, no. There's no period after that. Damn it. I messed it up. I don't TikTok well enough. Um, us here now. That's really what I want this to be. So there's no topic. It's just what I'm what I want to the form of it to be, the flow is to be gratitude laden. Um and we're gonna be grateful about us. We're gonna be grateful about here. We're gonna be grateful about now, whatever that means as we as we as we do it. Um Mostly this is going to be me rambling, at least in the beginning, because that's the point. I need to practice this. Why do you need to practice it, laughing man? That is a good question that I'll answer maybe at some point. It's for me to know and for you to wonder about. Um, but 
yeah, I'm, that's what I want to do. I want to practice that. And I want to focus on our, the things that I think are how we get from a sense here and now that things are bad to a sense here and now that things are good. Because I do think we all should be waking up every day and being like, damn, behold how fucking good this is. We should be out there in the world, let there being shit into existence, and then we should look at it and we let there be into existence, and then we should say, hmm, this is good. And uh, we should be grateful when the people around us do the same thing. So I see that as a goal and um, a place, a destination I aspire to reach myself. I am not there. I'm actually really bad at that. <laughs> Except for when I'm like being ridiculously introverted and walking around my neighborhood, chewing on ideas and listening to podcasts and audiobooks. That's like my happy place where it's one of my many happy places. I've got a lot of them um, where, you know, I'm feeling very gratitude laden. But what's crazy is, and this is something I've thought a lot about and why part of why I want to do this, you know, Claude Shannon, who is the guy that basically invented information theory. Maybe at some point I'll go into detail on my obsession with Claude Shannon. This man would just unicycle around the Bell Labs campus in New Jersey. I think it was in New Jersey. There were a couple of them and they moved around. So I'm, I don't have it offhand. I'm not going to look it up. But this man was just unicycling around doing his thing. And it's crazy to me to think about how as I walk around my neighborhood or I do whatever I'm doing out in the world on this planet with 8 billion people that like, each and every single person could be, as far as I know, Claude fucking Shannon. Um, and there's a balance to be struck between, you know, pensively inventing information theory in our heads, which I'm sure he did a lot of while he was unicycling and juggling around. Um, at least if you believe idea, the idea factory, which is another great book you should all read. Um, and then he wrote it, you know, he put it out there. And so I think there's kind of like this, you know, you receive, you give, you express gratitude, both in receiving what you were given and, and, and appreciating it, feeling appreciation inside of yourself, which is one half of it. And then the other half, I think, is returning the favor by expressing something, not just in a, a platitude, like thank you, but expressing of yourself in, in, in a shared way so that, you know, you're putting a part of yourself out there. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do here with this podcast. Um, so yeah, here we are at, wow, 40 minutes. I want these to be an hour and oh my God, that's such a long time. Holy shit. Maybe they won't be an hour. Maybe they'll just be for however long I can talk about whatever I'm going to talk about. I'm actually surprised that I managed to talk this long. Um, I didn't plan this. There's no notes. Well, I planned it in the sense that I knew I wanted to start with, um, the origin story of those three most popular. Is it fair to call them the most popular religions? I don't know if that's fair. Um, but those three religions, you know, if you believe in the, the, the Bible, um, as it's commonly known, whether you consider it the, the Tanakh as a Jew or the Bible as a Christian, or I actually don't know what Muslims call it uh, is. I don't know that the Bible is like incorporated into the Quran. So the way that like the new Testament, the Christian Bible incorporates like the Jewish Bible, you know, like the Old Testament is part of the New the New Testament, which together is like the Christian Bible. I don't know if that's how the, it works in Islam. So somebody should let me know. Um, I could look it up, but I want to hear from you. I want I want to hear from you all. Um, yeah, I started there, 
with no real agenda. And I think that's kind of going to be how these go. I'm going to start with like an idea and, and then I'm just going to ramble and maybe tell you all things that I'm chewing on in my head because that whole journey we just took is a, is a literal experience I had yesterday when I was going through all of this one. It's like, wow, this is really cool. And like, as a guy who is sad that there's no program, like I described earlier with audible where someone could get this book in theory and then read it. It's really cool that like the pieces are out there. You know, I, I could go find it, you know, through world cat and Google and a combination of like Google leading me to world cat and then world cat leading me to the first library, which I didn't want to pay for. And then in the second library, which for whatever reason was associated with that library and it wasn't the San Francisco public library. Um, but it led me to archive.org and here are these beautiful scanned pages. So over the next, probably before this podcast comes out, my goal, the milestones I set for myself for like, am I seriously going to do this or am I just fucking around? Like, do you really want to do it? I, I sometimes think I want to do something like, Oh, I want to do whatever. And then I do it. And then I, I didn't really want to. I learned after I started doing it or, or as I went to go start doing it, that I'm like, I didn't really want to do that. I don't know why I thought I did. Or maybe I just thought I did like the idea of it, but I didn't like the execution. Um, my goal is to basically record three of these and then I have to do that by November 1st. So today's October 20th. Uh, I set a deadline for myself. I hate deadline, but I set a deadline for myself. I'm like, Hey, if you don't have three episodes recorded and ready to go, ready to put out there on October 1st, sorry, November 1st, you don't have three episodes ready to put out there by November 1st. You don't really want to do this. So I'm uh, taking the whip to myself and here I am. This is actually supposed to be an audio test. I've never used Riverside FM. This is really cool. This is one of those things where I'm like, damn, this is, I like what they're doing. It's why I chose them. I, did a, I didn't do a lot of research. Um, but as you all may know, because you probably know me if you're listening to this, because I imagine the first people to listen to this are people who I know personally. Um, you know, I do music stuff. I'm a DJ and a quote-unquote music producer. Um, but because of the fortune I've had in my life, I have all this equipment I've paid for over the years. Actually, I really do enjoy it. I pay for the equipment. Like if they, if I have money and I like discretionary money, which I don't often have much of, especially these days, but if I do have it, I'm going to spend it on something related to music or audio. So I have all the equipment I would need to record a podcast, which makes it much easier. Um, record a podcast and have it be at like a high quality of audio, but I'm also lazy and I know I'm lazy. So I totally could hook my mic up to my computer and open up Ableton and record it and do it all in there and do it the hard way. Um, but well, and I don't know that this, see, I don't know if Riverside is not the hard way compared to Ableton. So I'm using Riverside because um, it, they make it sound like it's easier and they uh, have like really cool marketing material and great videos and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not normally a sucker for that, but uh, I like the cut of their jive. So here I am and I'm like, let me do an audio test just to see before I go paying for anything. Cause I don't want to pay for it. If I don't have to, especially if I'm not actually going to do this. Um, and so far so good. Um, we'll see after, I mean, I'm still recording, so it's possible that it comes out and it sounds like crap and I'll be mad. Um, but if it's great and, and more importantly, the most important thing for me here is, so I, there's two things I really like about this one the local recording and then uploading it to the cloud afterwards slash during however they're doing that. I'm sure that it's, 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 I'm sure it's genius. It's probably JavaScript, but I'm, I'm sure it's more genius than that. Um, you'll learn if you stick around and keep listening that I have a thing against JavaScript. Um, but it's great. You know, it runs the world. So kudos to JavaScript. Um, 
I want to try that out. And here I am doing an audio test. And I was like, well, I might as well try it with what I plan to make the first episode. And if this is acceptable to me, which it probably will be, not because it's good, but because I'm lazy. Like, I'm going to record this again and try to capture the same spontaneous spirit that I feel like this has. No, I'm definitely not going to do that. It's either going to be good enough for government work, good enough for my standards for my first podcast episode, or it's not going to be. But it's it's not not going to be. This is all a great big practice and gratitude and curiosity and exploration and uh, creativity and community. So that's the name of the game, everybody. That's what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be kind of like how this was. Uh, I want to express gratitude by giving back to the world in the form of expressing the things that I think about the ideas that draw my attention and what I think about those ideas and, and how my own ideas are shaped by them. Um, and really an expert, an expression of appreciation for these things that I see and appreciate that I think if other people also saw them, they would appreciate. And I think other people do, right. But you know, maybe, maybe we can hit a, maybe I, because I'm me and I'm not someone else. Maybe I can hit a cross section of people that might hear this idea that wouldn't have heard it if I didn't say anything. That I think is one of the motivating, you know, extremely motivating factors for me is, you know, I, I sort of take for granted that someone might have heard about a cool idea if I heard about it because if they think it's cool and I think it's cool, then clearly they would have found it the same way I did, right? And that's like dumb. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm understanding now that, you know, we are all, all of us, all humans, we're all, we're all in this together, together and, and improvement for all of us is really both a give and a take and express and receive. So I do a whole lot of receiving, um, a whole lot of gratitude in, in the receptive form and chewing on the things I'm given, but not a whole lot of giving back. Um, and maybe by doing so, someone who did not hear of an, of a thing or know about it, or like, maybe you're like, I have never heard of Claude Jenin and I have no idea what information theory is. And maybe you're not going to go find out. Um, you might, if I do an episode on it, which I may do. Um, but you will not necessarily have heard of that beforehand um, or even wondered why it might be interesting. But maybe the way that I framed all the events I framed today and maybe the way I put that all was something like, huh, maybe I should look up this Claude Shannon guy and figure out what he was all about. Wait, what do you mean he unicycled and he juggled? That was like the, the forget information theory and the fact that he was probably like a little, well, not probably, he was a literal genius. I'm like, holy shit, he spent tons and tons of time just unicycling around and juggling. That is a man that I want to be like, um, and hopefully I can unicycle and juggle my way into inventing information theory. Wouldn't that be lit? Now I hope you all have a an understanding of what this is going to be and why I'm doing it. Uh, and hopefully you like it. If you like it, um, express gratitude in some way. You can find the podcast. Um, I don't know where you're listening to this. When I go to distribute it, I'm going to find out how people distribute podcasts. I've got a list of platforms to check out. And then I'm going to pick one, probably based on some combination of cheap and cool features. And then I'm going to hit, put it out there, which means you're probably going to find it in like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts because you found it somehow. So congratulations, you're listening. But if you want to express your gratitude, you can go to justhere.club, um, which is going to be the website, or justhere.fm. Mm. I haven't decided yet. It might be both because I have a really weird thing about just buying domains. Um, but I know for sure justhere.club because I did buy that one already. And also that's the Twitter. So at justhereclub on Twitter. Um, drop a note. Say, hey, I heard your episode and I think it was cool. Um, 
I don't have like so much blowing up my inbox that I can't find the time to respond to people. So, um, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's what this is. Thanks for coming. Um, thanks for being you and, uh, see you next time.